certainly we want to praise God with our lives, with the way that we live our lives, for to do so is to worship. Uh, But if we're to do so, then we need to hear from Him. We need to be led by Him. We need to look at His Word. Let me invite you to open up God's Word with me this morning to the book of Proverbs. We'll be in Proverbs chapter 31 today, uh, near the center of the completed compilation of the Bible. If you're using a pew Bible, you can find this text beginning on page 500. And 38, we in Proverbs chapter 31 today. And you know, I made an assumption earlier uh, that the oldest mother here was uh, the wisest mother. And given that it was finite, that, that's probably a safe assumption uh, to, to have. But age does often correlate with wisdom, uh, but not always, especially when it comes to godly wisdom. And this morning, we want to consider godly wisdom, meaning what God says about wisdom. And for that, we need to look at his word. So let me invite you to look with me at his word. Fortunately, right smack in the center of God's word, we have several books that are known as the wisdom books or wisdom literature. Uh, Job uh, and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Song of Songs. And many folks also would include the book of Psalms in that section as well. But the book of Proverbs uh, gives us uh, a basic approach to life. Uh, It communicates to us uh, and and calls us to walk in the the rational, ordered norms of life that are generally true. And and we have these in our own day. We know this. We say things like, the early bird gets the... uh, Don't count your chickens before they uh, look before you... And a whole host of others of these. Now, if I uh, stood up here this morning and did not look at all and just jumped off this platform, uh, and I'm not going to do that this morning, maybe six years ago when I uh, began in this role, but certainly today that does not seem like a good idea. But if I did that and it worked out okay, as as it might, uh, if I landed on my feet and I didn't get hurt and sort of just carried on uh, with plans this morning, we wouldn't conclude from that that uh, that proverb was of no use, that it was wrong. Uh, We would know that it's still generally a good idea to look before Uh, you leap. And the same is true with the Proverbs. You see, the book of Proverbs presents uh, a way of living that is described as wisdom. In other words, wisdom is more than just knowledge. Godly wisdom is the combination of knowledge and character that allows us to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord. This is why the Proverbs begin by saying in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. You see, the godly life begins with reverence and humility before God. Without reverence and humility before God, there is no biblical wisdom. We must begin by recognizing that there is a God. We are not Him, yet we are responsible to Him. The psalmist says in Psalm 14, verse 1, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. On a similar note, the Ecclesiastes, which is a 12-chapter quest for the meaning of life, concludes this way. Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13 and 14, he says, Now all has been heard. In other words, I've considered everything. I've considered riches and, and, and wealth and pleasure and status and power. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. 
You see, the biblical wisdom literature repeatedly resounds this message. The wise person submits to God and trusts in Him for life. The wise person submits to God, recognizes who he is, submits to God, and trusts in Him for life. You want to be wise? Recognize who God is and respond accordingly. In other words, there are certainly some some practical truths we ought to aim to live by. uh, But ultimately, wisdom is found in knowing God. Now that we know this, let's look at uh, a portrait of wisdom in action. Uh, A portrait that we find in Proverbs chapter 31. If you're familiar with the scriptures, you're likely familiar, at least on some level, with this passage. Here's a beloved passage of scripture that describes a noble wife. But uh, before we read it, uh, I want to mention two things that I think would be or will be helpful for us. First, it is an idealized portrait of the wise woman. In other words, the bar is set really high. There is no wife or mother or husband or father who perfectly embodies these traits. And so the purpose today is not simply to expose our inadequacies, but to provide a model toward which to strive. This is the way that wisdom literature often operates. Here's an ideal portrait. Uh, Now go and strive for this. Live this way. And so first, it's, it's a model or an ideal But second, and equally important for us today, is that it isn't just for women. Guys, we're not off the hook today. This is not the day where you elbow your your wife and say, hey, you need to hear this. This is a good one for you. And you sort of check out for the day. No, the message here is for every single one of us. It is for all of us. The description here is of a godly character that is cast as a woman, a wife and a mother as if to show all of us what godly wisdom looks like. So let's look at it together. As you find your place in Proverbs chapter 31, let me uh, invite you to join me standing, whether in body or in spirit, for the reading of God's Word. Proverbs 31, beginning in verse 10, the Bible reads this way. A wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships, bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes a seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. 
Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Would you bow with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit that resides in us as your people and that is gathered with us today. Lord, we pray that you would instruct us, that you would teach us, that you would give us humility and reverence. Lord, that you would guide us in your truth in a way that glorifies your name. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You may be seated. One thing that I want us to see this morning is that the traits that are expressed here in Proverbs 31 are certainly not isolated here. Instead, what Proverbs 31 does is take consistent portrayals of godly wisdom and place them within the particularities of a woman's life in ancient Israel. A wife of noble character who can find. The point is that this ideal is rare, and it is a gift from the Lord. This lady has an incredible range of administrative and spiritual and manual and commercial and financial and relational skills, ultimately, uh, which come from the Lord. She's a gift of godly wisdom to her husband, just as uh, a godly husband is uh, the gift of godly wisdom to his wife. A principle that could certainly be extended principle that could be extended to the parent-child relationship or the employer-employee relationship or the teacher-student relationship and certainly uh, perhaps in a whole host of other relationships on some level as well. And so according to Proverbs, what constitutes wise living? Well, to begin with, those who possess and practice godly wisdom know what it is to work hard for the wise person labors diligently. A wise person labors diligently. I don't think you can miss that in this text. One of the ways that Proverbs teaches us wisdom is by telling us what it isn't. And over and over and over again, this book contrasts the godly wise person with the sluggard. That is the one who fails to take advantage of present opportunities, who fails to finish what he starts, who uh, is known by his excessive love for sleep. Now, sleep's a good thing. We all love sleep. We all need sleep. That's not what the text is portraying. Uh, But the sluggard is lazy. A couch potato, continually consumed with television. You don't see Lady Wisdom in Proverbs 31 watching soap operas or playing video games or taking naps for hours on end. No, verse 13, she selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. Verse 15, she gets up while it's still night. Verse 17, she sets about her work vigorously. Verse 18, her lamp does not go out at night. Verse 24, she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. Verse 27, she does not eat the bread of idleness. You see, work is not a curse. Work has certainly been distorted as a result of the fall, but we were created to work. Work is not a curse, but a gift from the Lord. Through work, we imitate our maker and honor the Lord. We pervert God's gift of work when we become what we call a workaholic or when we worship our work or what it provides for us. But this noble wife is working for the sake of her family. Verse 15, she provides food for her family. Verse 21, when it snows, she has no fear for her household for all of them are clothed in scarlet. Verse 27, she watches over the affairs of her household. Friends, the wise person cares deeply for family. 
wise person cares deeply for family. Loving and caring for family is clearly a theme of, of this text, but not just of Proverbs 31. In fact, the whole book of Proverbs is set primarily through the lens of a father instructing a son. A message given to youth. And Proverbs warns us against unfaithfulness or adultery, but this wife's character contributes to the positive well-being and reputation of her husband. Verse 11, her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. Verse 23, her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. In other words, uh, her activity contributes to uh, the reputation of her husband. The wise person cares deeply for family, and if he or she is married, one way that the wise person cares deeply for family is by faithfulness in marriage. With faithfulness in marriage. The wise person cares deeply for family with faithfulness in marriage, and uh, if married, and with kids, uh, with faithfulness in marriage, but also by teaching one's children. Another theme of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 31, verses 28 and 29, her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. And if we take this passage to be a a real-to-life portrait of godly wisdom taught throughout the book of Proverbs, and I'm convinced that it is, then these children aren't just praising their mother for uh, her physical provisions and practical provisions, but for her spiritual instruction as well. So it reminds me of when kids are young and you're teaching them how to pray and let them lead in a prayer and they begin to thank God and they begin certainly by very practical, tangible things that they enjoy. Thank you, God, for uh, my bed to sleep in. That was always, still is a popular prayer in our home. Thank you for my bed to sleep in. Thank you for food to eat and this and this and this. Likewise, often uh, if kids express something in a card, uh, maybe to mom or dad or a teacher, they thank them for tangible, practical things. And certainly is to be true. But also here, this is, extends to, to spiritual instruction and provision as well. Thank you for instructing us in the right way, in the ways of the Lord. Again and again, Proverbs calls upon parents to teach and to train and to discipline their children. So moms and dads, are you teaching your kids? Are you intentionally and proactively instructing your kids in, in the right way of living? And the truths of the faith. Praise God for Sunday school. Praise God for vacation Bible school. But God has called you, parent, to disciple your children. At best, these things can only assist. You see, only uh, godly wisdom uh, takes energy. It's exhausting to, to live according to the message of God's Word. I don't know about you, but when I read Proverbs 31, I think to myself, this lady needs a vacation. She is going to wear herself out. But you see, what she understands is that her life is not ultimately about her. She doesn't operate by uh, the motto of Burger King, have it your way, or Nike, just do it. No, she uh, submits to God and trusts in Him for life, so she has no problem serving others in humility. The wise person serves others humbly. Biblical wisdom is characterized by humble service. And care for others. Not only does she serve her household well, but verse 20, she opens her arms to the poor. She extends her hands to the needy. The point is that she cares for others. 
The wise person is not self-serving, but serves others humbly. The wise person serves others humbly. The wise person cares deeply for family. The wise person labors diligently. And we see here that the wise person uses words carefully. The wise person uses words carefully. Verse 26, she speaks with wisdom. And faithful instruction is on her tongue. This chapter doesn't say a whole lot more about using words carefully, but that's a theme again and again throughout the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs warns us against haste, against speaking too quickly. I dare say that if Solomon lived in our day, he might have a word about engaging too quickly and rapidly in the Twitterverse. Speaking too quickly and freely without thinking, without regard to what it is that we have to say. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 2, he writes, Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. A reminder that without submission to God, wisdom is lacking. And so, of course, this is where Proverbs 31 ends and this is where the book of Proverbs on the whole ends as well. An intentional reminder that fearing the Lord is more important than any skill or practice, any talent or quality. For charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Church, the wise person submits to God and trusts in Him for life. The wise person labors diligently. The wise person cares deeply for family with faithfulness in marriage and by teaching one's children. The wise person serves others humbly and uses words carefully. Friend, I have to ask you this morning, does that sound like your mother? Does that sound like your mother? If so, tell her. If you can, tell her today, honor her. The text instructs us in verse 31, honor her for all that her hands have done. Thank her today. For if she or another has portrayed an inkling of the godly wisdom described here, then she deserves your gratitude. Honor her. I don't want to pretend that all mothers have led this way. We know that is not true. Some have not. Yet for many of us, For many of us, our mothers did work diligently or do work diligently to provide whatever we need. Labor intensely to to treat us and to shape us in a way that glorifies God. Many of us have mothers and grandmothers who shaped us in the faith and made sure that we were connected to a local body of believers. So let's honor those who embody godly wisdom today. Let's honor those who embody godly wisdom. Respect them. Let's cherish them. And we ought to do so lavishly. Many of us have had the privilege of seeing some or all of these godly character traits practiced in our family members, our mothers, our grandmothers, and our wives. And we should honor them for it. Many of us have also seen these godly character traits practiced in the lives of women in our church family. Perhaps in in teachers or women in the marketplace or women in the workplace. And on this Mother's Day, May 12, 2019, let's love, appreciate, and honor women of godly character. But we cannot, we cannot stop there. I think that is an, an important application of this text for our lives today. But to fail to apply the text truth any farther than that would be insufficient. For this text, in the greater context of God's word, calls upon all of us to pursue a life of godly wisdom. To pursue a life of of godly wisdom. To make these priorities and character traits central to each of us as we submit to God and trust in Him for life. So mothers, pursue a life of godly wisdom. 
Grandmothers pursue a life of godly wisdom. Fathers pursue a life of godly wisdom. Grandfathers pursue a life of godly wisdom. Husbands and wives pursue lives of godly wisdom. Children pursue lives of of godly wisdom. But again, we need to take this a step further than that. We cannot stop there. We cannot finish there because Proverbs 31 is not just about mothers or women or even all of us. Ultimately, it is about God. And this is Mother's Day, significant day on our calendar. But it's not just Mother's Day. It is also Sunday, the day that commemorates our Savior's resurrection from the dead. Submission to God and trust in Him for life. Diligent labor. Love for family. Serving others humbly. Using words intentionally and carefully. Doesn't that sound like Jesus? Doesn't that sound like the Savior? Can't you picture the Nazarene walking the dusty streets of Galilee and touching the lepers, caring for his family, instructing his disciples, healing the lame and the blind, praying to the Father, saying, on the night of his own own arrest, Father, if, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. The truth taught in Proverbs, ultimately lead us to Jesus, the perfect gift of godly wisdom. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, he says, it is because of God that you are in Christ Jesus. Because of God that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. Jesus is wisdom from God in the flesh. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. You see, the truth that is that though we should strive to exemplify the godly wisdom of Proverbs, we have and will continue to fall short. The portrait that's given to us here is of a life that is fully pleasing to God, yet we know that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But what we lack, Christ has provided. Where we fail, Christ is Sufficient. What we could not do, Christ has accomplished for us. When we were unworthy, Christ gave us His own worthiness. For God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. So friends, trust Jesus, the perfect embodiment of godly wisdom today. Trust in Jesus. Trust Jesus, the perfect embodiment of godly wisdom. You see, this is a text that, if we're not careful, becomes a weight that is hung over us, a standard that we can never live up to. And the truth is we can't and we haven't and we won't, but we have a Savior who has, who gave His perfect life on the cross of Calvary for our sins so that we could be reconciled and right with God now and forever. Trust in Him. He is sufficient. He is worthy. And He calls us to to, to follow Him to trust in Him, to strive for a life that is pleasing to Him, that honors Him day by day, month after month, year after year, now and forever. Trust in Him. Trust in Jesus Christ. Repent and turn to the One who who has done for us what we can never do, who has provided forgiveness for our sins, who has accomplished salvation on our behalf according to the purpose and the plan of the Almighty God. As our deacons come to the table and prepare to serve communion this morning, let me invite you, wherever you are, to take take some time. Take a couple moments to bow before God, to confess sin, to trust in Jesus, to praise 
him for the gift of salvation and right standing by God's grace. Maybe you've not done that. Maybe you're not sure about that message. Maybe you don't believe that message. Let me encourage you to spend some time reflecting on that message, reflecting on the gospel. Ask God to guide you into the truth. Give you eyes to see and ears to hear and faith to believe. May all of us bow and surrender reverently and humbly acknowledging that that God is God and we are not. And thanking Him for His provision, His sustenance, for redemption through the blood of Jesus. Would you bow with me? Father, we come before You this morning and we give You thanks. For every good and perfect gift is from You. Father, You are the giver of life. Lord, none of us are self-made men or women, but we only are here because of your grace and your plan. Father, we thank you for your sovereign care. We thank you for creating us and sustaining us and offering redemption to us through the blood of Jesus Christ. And Lord, now as we consider the significance of the table, Lord, of communion, But as we remember and reflect on what Christ endured for us and your perfect will and plan, and as we celebrate the life that we have in him, we pray that you would lead us to do so in a way that glorifies the name of our Savior. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being counted as those who are in Christ Jesus because of your mercy and your patience with us. And I pray for those that are among us today that do not know you perhaps that are unsure about your word or are not desiring to trust in and follow Jesus today. Lord, I, I pray that you would do an extraordinary work in their lives and draw them to the perfect and matchless person and name of Jesus Christ. And Father, may each of us lay aside our pride. May we humbly bow before you, surrendering to you and trusting in you, rejoicing in you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.